The information on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a qualified licensed professional counselor or a qualified licensed medical provider. Hello and welcome back for another session of the Evolving Chair podcast. Um, we are still in the month of July. Actually, it's July 31st. So uh, ending the month off still with National Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. And I actually have a special guest with me today, Miss Lauren Carson, who is an Atlanta native um, from and graduated from the University of Virginia. And she is a veteran mental health advocate and a nonprofit leader. Miss Lauren in 2012 founded the Black Girl Smile Inc. based on her personal mental health journeys, struggles to find racial sensitive treatment and support. She is also the visionary and leader of Black Girl Smile since its inception in 2012 and has made amazing headway and continued towards establishing the organization as a premier mental wellness nonprofit. Ms. Lauren works closely with the Lee Thompson Young Foundation on their joint mission to provide mental health education to young to youth and destigmatize the conversations surrounding mental health. Ms. Lauren is additionally a contributing blogger for the Huffington Post and has been featured at S XSW, the Clinton Global Initiative University and Refinery 29. So, Ms. Lauren, do you want to say hi to the TEC listeners? Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really looking forward to joining you today. Thank you. I thank you for saying yes. <laughs> so I guess we can start off by telling people what is because we'll be talking about two great organizations, actually. Um, but the first one I want to definitely talk about is the Black Girl Smile organization, which is your foundation. Yes. Um, so as you mentioned, I started the organization in 2012. Um I was diagnosed with clinical depression at the age of 15 and suffered two subsequent suicide attempts uh, at the age of 19 and 20. As I got healthy, I looked back over my journey and noticed that there were gaps that if had been filled, it really would have provided me and my family and friends the support, education, and resources necessary for me to get healthy sooner. Um, so I decided to found the organization Black Girl Smile to really encourage other young African-American females to lead a mentally healthy life, to access resources when necessary, um, and to not feel so alone in their journey to mental wellness. Awesome. And to highlight, you said you were diagnosed um, with clinical depression when you were 15, correct? Yes, correct. Okay. Um, when I was 15, I realized that I was going through um, not just the adolescent typical mm-hmm. behavior. Um, I was really struggling with academics, uh, my relationships with my parents and my siblings, um, but also in school. And these are all areas that I previously had really thrived in. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when my parents finally had me evaluated, it kind of came out that so we're really working off of, um, you know, a crisis situation before information is really provided and the conversation is started. So um, what we really work to do with Black Girl Smile is to destigmatize those conversations and to um, help young women get the help and assistance that they need earlier on so that they don't actually experience a crisis. And if they do experience a crisis, that the symptoms and longevity of the symptoms are lessened. 
Yes, awesome. And so um, going through that process, you mentioned that it actually came out that your family, there was um, mental health history within your family. So did any either of your parents or were it, grand, were, is it your grandparents that battled with a mental health issue or... It actually was my uh, one of my parents. It was my mother. Um, as as I received my diagnosis and started on my journey uh, with clinical depression, um, I was able to evaluate many situations from my youth uh, differently, uh, knowing that my mother was struggling with clinical depression, and this wasn't something that was openly shared in my immediate family. Mm-hmm. Um, I also learned that other family members on both sides, my paternal and maternal side, both struggled with various uh, depression, anxiety. Um, so it, it heavily ran in my family, but um, it, as we're trying to work on now and what I really commend you doing with uh, your podcast today is, is opening up that conversation and creating a space for people to be open about some of the things that they're experiencing so that it gives voice not only to themselves, but also assists others as well. Exactly. And now, do you feel that when you were um, diagnosed with clinical depression, especially at, you know, a a young age, did that do you feel like that opened more of the door for conversations to be had within the family? Uh, Not initially. I think that it took me close to five years. So around when I was 20, Um, I started to feel more comfortable with having conversations with my immediate family. But up until then, um, even though both of my parents are highly educated, uh, Mm -hmm. both have a master's degrees, um, there was still a lot of the stigma that is associated with mental health and mental illness in the African-American community. I would hear things such as, you're being a drama queen, Mm -hmm. you're being overdramatic, you're acting crazy. Things such as that, that really, that, that dialogue, the negative, the negative language that was used around mental health and mental illness in general society, but especially in the African-American community, made it, even dif- made it even difficult for me to talk to my friends and family. But when I did, um, I was pleasantly surprised to not only feel, you know, a burden lifted off of me to really accept that just like someone has diabetes, I suffer with clinical depression and there's things that I need to do to make sure that I stay healthy. Um, And it opened up the door for a lot more people to feel comfortable speaking to me as well, coming to me saying, oh, I'm I'm suffering with anxiety. Do you have any suggestions or can I just talk to you? Or talking to me about family or friends as well. So it kind of opened up the floodgates, but very much in a positive way. Good, good. That's good to hear. And now how comfortable were you sharing it with your friends? I mean, you're 15 and you're getting this diagnosis and you're like, wait a minute, what does this mean? I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I would say I wasn't comfortable at all. Um, I very much tried to ignore that this was something that was going on in my life and just kind of keep it trucking. Um, I didn't really become open with friends and family until I was in college, so around 19 and 20. Um, and it was around the same time that I was that I suffered by two suicide attempts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized that this wasn't something that I could keep secret. And it was also something that I couldn't um, go through alone. I needed my friends, I needed my family and their support so that I could get healthy. So now, you know, my close friends, my family who I speak to almost every day, 
they're aware of what I struggle with and they're mm-hmm. able to ask me questions, provide support. Um, they're the people that I can kind of turn to now when I'm struggling uh, with a depressive episode and kind of reach out to them and tell them, hey, I'm not doing so well. Whereas I didn't feel comfortable reaching out to anyone in the past and it creates more of an isolation. Um, and it really ramps up a lot of the symptoms around depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. any other mental illness when you feel isolated. Exactly. Um, and can you touch on, so if somebody notices a friend who may be isolating themselves, what are those symptoms that they should be aware of and like how can they go about um, reaching out to that person? Because I think that is the biggest question for people in our community. So when we do see potential symptoms, what do we do next? Yeah, um, and that's that's a common question that I get um, in my work. Um, I would say the one of the best campaigns that have that come out um, in the mental health space is a campaign called Campaign to Change Direction. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Campaign to Change Direction dot org. Um, it's an organization that put out five signs that you can pledge to look for in family and friends that um, are, that potentially um, show that there's a warning that there's a warning sign of symptom of mental health difficulty. Mm-hmm. And too often we associate mental illness or mental health difficulties with homelessness talking to oneself, seeing visions, Mm -hmm. whereas it really can be as simple as looking for, one, changes in personality, if someone's agitated, withdrawn, poor self-care, or feelings of hopelessness. Mm -hmm. So those are things that we can really pick up in conversation. We can even see that on someone's face. When we do see these warning signs or symptoms, um, it is imperative that when you engage in a conversation with someone that you are willing and able to take on whatever they say. Mm. So what I mean by that is, let's say you see a family a family member or a friend that's struggling, um, and they seem like they're going through some mental health difficulties. If you don't feel like you're the person equipped to, to deal with or to have that conversation, then reach out to another family friend, a family member, or another friend and say, hey, these are the things that I noticed. Do you mind, you know, assisting me with reaching out to this person or having a conversation with this person? You or that person, once you sit down and you have that conversation, be specific, but be compassionate in the things that you say, um, the language that you use. Um, It doesn't need to be very pointed um, and coming at someone like, I've seen you do this, so you need to fix it. It needs to be an open conversation. Allow them the space to tell you what they're feeling, what they're experiencing, but also be direct in the things that you've noticed. Say, mm-hmm. hey, I've always noticed that you like your hair is popping. Like mm-hmm. you always, your hair is on point, <laughs> and you seem that you seem to not be taking as much care um, and appreciation in your appearance any longer. Mm-hmm. You know, do you mind telling me what's going on? If you don't feel comfortable speaking to me. Is there someone else that you do feel comfortable speaking to? And make them, make them know and that they're aware that you're concerned, but that you're there for them. So just really speak compassionately, but also have specific examples of things that you may have seen or heard. Hmm. Well said. Thank you for that. Um, I, tell us a little more about Black Girls Smile. So looking at 
at Miss Lauren's website, you guys. It's like phenomenal. Um, and I commend you, you for doing what you're doing, especially with our, our young girls at that. Um, so talk a little more about what do you actually do in the community? Are you at school yeah. or you host community events? What does that look like for having you guys come out talking to our black girls? Yeah, so right now we currently host workshops. Uh, we can kind of customize the programs, but they're meant to be uh, one day to even up to six weeks. Oh. Our main objectives are increasing mental health literacy. And what does that mean? What does mental health literacy mm-hmm. mean? It means understanding three core aspects. What is mental health? Um, many times uh, when you hear someone start to speak about mental health, there's a lot of negative language. There's a misunderstanding about how mental health relates to every other aspect of your life. So we really like to educate young women on what mental health is, what mental wellness is, and then provide them some warning signs and symptoms of mental health difficulties. So we really like to focus on the early intervention um, and prevention aspects of education and providing young women with a platform that they're not only educated about mental health and mental wellness, but we also provide them support in various aspects as well. So what that means is we maintain uh, extensive mental health resource for um, list mm-hmm. of providers that are racially and culturally sensitive. Awesome. When you're going through a mental health difficulty, let's say, you know, you've gone through the program, but you're still experiencing some signs of depression or anxiety and you need to see someone. Well, mm-hmm. it's hard to go through your insurance, figure out who, who you actually feel comfortable speaking to. I do advocate that if you're experiencing mental health difficulty, you should see someone immediately. It doesn't matter who they are, um, what they, as long as they're a licensed mental health professional, you should see that person. However, a lot of people, especially African-Americans, feel most comfortable speaking to another African-American. Right. So we provide mental health resource lists that will break down culturally and racially sensitive providers in their area. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, uh, this, the end of this year, we'll be rolling out a healing scholarship program where we will actually provide funds for therapy sessions. That's awesome. We'll help connect you with a therapist, but we'll also help with some of the financial burden that some of these young women experience or their parents experience with actually getting them the assistance that they need. Um, And then, as you mentioned, we do various events in the community that really raise awareness. So we've done mental health lunches, uh, dinners, open dialogues. Um, We really just want to get the message out that mental health is something that we all need to care about. And it's not all negative, but there's a lot of positives with mental health and mental wellness. We really want to encourage young African-American girls, especially to lead mentally healthy lives. Awesome. Definitely some awesome and great things. And I love the piece that you're tackling with the affordability, because I know, especially with our community, either we're underinsured, we have no insurance at all. And, you know, and that is one reason, too, why I'm so passionate about mental health in our community, because I never want anybody to feel like they have to choose either mental health, paying a bill or doing this, you know. Exactly. And especially with a lot of the uncertainty with affordable health care currently, um, it's very an up and down process. We're not sure if the mental health uh, mandates that are included currently in the affordable health care plan will still maintain in there. So there's a lot of uncertainty. But even outside of that, um, as you mentioned, a lot of African-Americans, especially African-American women and girls, are not necessarily insured 
or they're underinsured and don't have access to mental health assistance. So we really want to bridge that gap and make finances not be a burden in seeking treatment. Awesome. Awesome. Now, how can people um, help support your mission? Yep. So they can definitely check out our website. It's blackgirlssmile.org. There's various information on there about our programs. If you'd like to bring us out to a school, um, community center, or even a church, we've done partnerships with churches as well. Um, And then there's also information on there to donate or to even volunteer with the organization. Oh, that is so phenomenal. And I'm looking at um, some of the topics that you guys have for your um your curriculum that you created yeah pretty diverse (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like i'm loving this like put your mask on first for teacher teaches parents caregivers coaches and other stakeholders about general mental health illness and wellness to aid them in um not only maintaining positive mental health mental healthiness themselves, but also assessing them and helping create and foster positive and supportive relationship with their dependents and how to provide the support necessary to help their dependents lead mentally healthy lives. And that one really stuck out to me because I think um, we do, we can't just focus on on the kids and provide them with the most information. We have to get it to the people that they're returning home to. Um, Yeah. So that is exactly. And I think that's, yeah, that's an issue that comes up often is in many cases, especially with youth, if the parents are experiencing mental health difficulties and they're not open to acknowledging yes. that they need assistance. And it's very hard to convince them that the youth also needs assistance as well. If, if a parent's not putting their mask on and taking care of themselves first, just like on a plane, then your child's not getting the assistance that they need as well to be healthy. Yes. This is so phenomenal. And then I noticed that you guys do also offer the mental health first aid youth training where you educate um, individuals in the community that are willing to learn signs and symptoms about mental health and how they can respond when they see those um, signs and symptoms. Yeah. So we are a part of the mental health first aid community um there's a big pledge to get as many people in america um certified as mental health first aiders uh Mm -hmm. just like cpr training or first aid training this is crucial it's a eight hour program that can be broken up into four hours Uh, we'll come out into the community Uh, most of the courses we've been able to uh, provide free of charge and we've gotten an amazing reception in regards to this program it really educates Anyone alike, even mental health providers, have found this curriculum to be useful in providing them warning signs and symptoms and big with adolescents because a lot of times the adolescents will just chalk it up to normal adolescent behavior and not necessarily look at some of the abnormal behavior that they may be exhibiting Mm -hmm. um, and to get them the assistance that they need. So that program really goes through all the warning signs, symptoms, what you actually do in a crisis scenario and how you can assist with getting them the resources and assistance that they need. Yes, that is so awesome. I'm definitely excited um, just for the growth of Black Girl Smile and where I can see you guys going and connecting each and every person to those resources. So definitely that's like a phenomenal thing that you're doing. 
Um, and Thank then you. two to touch on the Lee Thompson Young Foundation. Now, many of you, um, the name may sound familiar because he actually was um, a former actor. He starred in the famous Jet Jackson on the Disney Channel. I used to love that show as a kid. Um, yeah. And he um, also played one of the detectives on Rizzoli and Isles. And it, it stemmed out of him. Um, unfortunately taking his life um through suicide back in was it 2013 i believe yes, um correct. and he was actually diagnosed with bipolar disorder um as a late teen and yes, and Ms. lauren you mentioned that you work closely so what is it that you do um within the lee thompson young foundation and the just their mission and vision and yeah yeah, so a little bit about kind of how I got connected with them. Um, I remember when I first heard about Lee uh, completing suicide. Um, I was I was really taken aback. Mm-hmm. Um, this was, as you mentioned, an individual that we saw on Jed Jackson and, you know, had a little crush on and looked up <laughs> right. to from the Disney Channel <laughs> from when I was younger. Yeah. And this was probably one of my first events that I did was prompted by Lee's passing. I just mm. felt like we had to put a stop to young professionals, mm-hmm. um, kind of outside of just the black girl smile target age range of high school and middle school. Mm-hmm. But young professionals, we're struggling with things, but not talking about it, mm. especially in the African American community. Yeah. One of my first events was really stemmed from me hearing about the passing of Lee. When I moved back to Atlanta from New York in 2014, one of the first things I did, I think like within the first week, was reach out to Lee Thompson Young Foundation and connected with Tamu Lewis, who is his sister mm-hmm. and the executive director of the Lee Thompson Young Foundation. I commend this woman so much for, for creating an organization with such purpose mm-hmm. um, and such impact from a tragedy that her family experienced. And the Lee Thompson Young Foundation from Jump has been doing amazing things in the community. It partnered with several schools um, in providing uh, mental health, uh, doing movie screenings, Q&A, um, providing um, informational sessions about mental health um, to parents, and working directly with students. So breaking down a lot of the stigma and creating a dialogue around mental health and mental illness and really tackling some of these issues that have for so long been ignored, especially when it comes to youth, mm-hmm. things such as anxiety. Um, I don't know about you, but I was always anxious when it came to exams, presentations. Yes. <laughs> um, but as you can tell, like I, I've always been a good speaker, so mm-hmm. I was able to kind of you know, get it together, but that's not the that's not the reality for a lot of students. The pressure that we put on a lot of our students these days um, in high school to get into college, then when they're in college, they're really experiencing a lot of mental health, you know, challenges that can potentially lead to mental illness. And the Lee Thompson Young Foundation is doing an amazing job with providing educational programming in the school system and in community centers that really break down and assist students, but also the parents with how to assist their students. Mm. When Since I've been involved with the organization, um, I help with programming, I help with marketing initiatives. Um, our missions are very much aligned with, the Black, with Black Girl Smile, so we partner on a lot of events. And, you know, again, I, I tip my hat off to Tamu and the Lee Thompson Young Foundation team for all the amazing work that they continue to do in the community of Atlanta. 
Yes. And now if people want to know more information about the Lee Thompson Young Foundation or how to support, where can they go? Lee Thompson Young Foundation dot org. Um, find information about our programming, information about how to bring us to a school, community center or church. Um, also information on some of our past programming. And then we'll keep everyone up to date with events. So if you sign up for the newsletter and then there's also options to donate or uh, volunteer interest as well on the website. Awesome. That is so awesome. Um, and before I let you go, because I know you do have a meeting. Um <laughs> You have a quote on your website, Black Girl Smile, um, by Maya Angelou. I can be changed by what happens to me, but I refuse to be reduced by it. What led you to highlight that quote and how does it resonate with you and your mission for Black Girl Smile? Yeah, Um, so (laughs) I am like a complete black feminist. Um, (laughs) I (laughs) and. I am uniquely aware of a lot of the challenges that we as young African-American girls experience in various aspects of life when it comes to our femininity, Mm -hmm. um, our sexuality, um, academics, um, how people perceive us in the world. I am uniquely aware of those challenges and how that can define you and who you become and the things that you do in life. Mm -hmm. But that quote really stood out to me by Maya Angelou, because despite all the challenges that we may experience as young African-American females, that does not have to define um, us personally, but also the impact that we have on others. We Mm -hmm. can really get past um, some of the negative statistics that are associated or, or, you know, indirectly associated with us. And we can still lead healthy lives. We can still contribute in amazing ways to society. These things don't necessarily have to define us. Hmm. Thank you for that. And thank you again for taking the time out to do this interview on the Evolving Chair podcast. I truly appreciate it, um, Ms. Lauren, but I definitely um, want to stay connected with you because um, I definitely yes, think please. it'll be um, good to try and have you come out here to Milwaukee um, yes. you know, to do some trainings for our young girls that we have out here. Yes. So for sure. Yes. So thank you again. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me join you. Um, I really applaud you, um, for all that you're doing and really thank opening you. up this conversation. We need more of this. So I, I really applaud you and I thank you for letting me contribute. Thank you. Anytime. Take care. You as well. Have a good one. Thanks. Bye. All right, you guys, I thank you for listening in on that conversation with Miss Lauren Carson. I will have all her information up on my website at theevolvingchair.com. And again, today is the last day for National Minority Mental Health Awareness. But with me, it doesn't end with just in this month. This is a year long, <laughs> decade long mission of mine is just to continuously make us aware, especially within the minority community of our mental health um, illnesses, stigma, stereotypes, all of that good judge. And I am officially accepting clients for the Evolving Chair Counseling and Consulting um, Agency. So if you guys are looking for a therapist, a licensed professional counselor, or you know other people that are looking for it, please go to my website at theevolvingchair.com. I'm also opening 
to being a speaker at schools, providing different trainings for staff, um, churches, community centers, you name it. So until next time, peace. Hey, TEC listeners. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share, and rate this podcast. You can send me emails with questions, comments, and feedback to TECpodcast2017 at gmail.com. On Twitter at TECpodcast2017. IG at TECpodcast. Facebook, The Evolving Chair Podcast. Or check out my website at www dot the evolving chair dot com. So go listen to me on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play.